In today's episode, I speak with my guest, a career and business coach, about how she walked away from a $200,000 a year salary to seek happiness. As an analytical woman, she talks about her experience with the universe, her constant need to purchase things to feel happy, and how she traded her benzene for a life of happiness and fulfillment. Learn about the tragic events that led to her awakening and what happiness means to a woman who thought she had it all. Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to changemakers who want to lead, inspire, or transform the world for the better. My name is Ravi Tour. I'm a straight shooter with a no BS approach. This podcast is meant to be thought-provoking, to get your attention, and mostly, I want to encourage change and movement from folks just like you and me. I'll cover things like world issues, mindset, and theory. So stick around, tune in, and let your mind be the map to your revolution. Welcome to episode 23 of Lit. My name is Ravi Tour, and I'm your host. I am so excited to bring you my next guest for today. This one's an awesome story. I'm going to be speaking to Andrea Pelton, who is a career and business coach. And she wasn't always a career and business coach. And I want to talk about her journey. But before we get into all of that, Andrea, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and why are you coming here today? Hey, hey, hey. So I'm Andrea Paulton, as Robbie said, and I met her online, actually, and we were chatting about histories and things like that. And I actually have had 17 years in marketing and just didn't want to do it anymore and started my own business as a career and business coach. And that's why I'm here today. So we're going to chat a little bit about that. So the first thing I really, really, really want to dive into, which I found to be extremely mind-boggling and the exact, exact purpose of this show is that Andrea, before she came into business for herself, was actually an executive at, the, at where she worked, right? At the company she worked at, not her company, but the company she worked at. And she, you were earning six figures. So you... We're an executive. You want to talk about that time period a little bit with us? Yeah. So like I said, 17 years of marketing, moved up the ranks, up the ladder, and was an executive the last probably five to six years and was making really good money. I'm not shy about this, but almost $200,000. So good money for me, especially where I live and loved it, right? Loved the money. Hated the jobs because there was multiple jobs. I was a job hopper. I only lasted for like a year, a year and a half. And every Sunday night, I would throw myself a little funeral, a little pity party, because I hated going to work Mondays. And so then I started looking at, okay, what can I do? If I start a new business completely from scratch, I'll make $0. Right. I'm making about 200 now. What should I do? Little period in between, not much, where I just said, fuck it. I'm going to jump ship and I'm going to do it. And hopefully there'll be a parachute to catch me. And luckily there was. Yeah. I didn't did plan the parachute. <laughs> of course. You sound like a little planner. So we're going to get into that a little bit. But I want to talk about that funeral. Oh, bloody Sunday, right? Let's talk about that dreaded Sunday that a lot of us face, whether you, it doesn't matter where you are in life. If there's something that you have to start like clockwork on a Monday, that you are not super fond of, that you think you could be spending your time better elsewhere, wherever that looks like, but you have an obligation. There's, a, you know, you're part of a circuit. You're socially constructed to move forward in whatever that looks like. There's a funeral. I remember it was, it was there for me. And I know there's, you know, it's evident for a lot of people. So what what does a Sunday funeral look like? And what is that, you know, what are the pieces that are part of that? Yeah. So I'll start with Fridays. Obviously, Fridays, I was like elated. I get to be free. Fridays were awesome. Saturday were awesome. Sunday mornings were still cool. And then around noon, I started getting honestly, like physically in my body. I felt it like my chest felt like it was crushing. My stomach felt like it was hurting. It, I, don't, I don't really know what it was. I mean, this might have been slight anxiety attacks, but I really started feeling uneasy. I didn't want to go to work the next day. 
I was very emotional and my poor husband had to deal with this because there was a lot of, a lot of bitching about my jobs. And I really, every Sunday night, I'm like, this is not right. This doesn't feel right. This is not okay. I shouldn't feel like this. Why are Mondays so horrible for me? And it really ruined like my weekend because that whole Sunday I was just dreading it and was upset. And that's all I thought about is like, oh no, I have to go back to work tomorrow. I have to go back to work tomorrow. And there was just so much stress with it all that it was really, it was making me sick and I was gaining weight and it was just not good. Yeah. And from last week's episode with the guest we had last week, she was talking about that and how emotional issues manifest themselves into physical ailments, right? So whether you've got a stomach problem or whether you've got that panic in your heart, that chest, that anxiety, you're sweating, you know, there are all sorts of things that can start to happen. But the reality is, is there's a massive emotional issue going on internally that does start to manifest itself physically, right? And Dr. Joe Dispenza, again, I'm going to mention that again, he talks about this and how you, it's really in the mind. But for you, it started up here and then it triggered. So again, that byproduct, right? It starts neurologically and then it fires off into your biology. You've got those emotional pieces that are running and now you've got feelings and now you've got reactions and now you've got actions or you've got inactions or you're indifferent, right? That's what that looks like. So you have Sundays that kind of brings everything down. And I'm assuming it brings down everything from like your joyous Saturday and Friday as well. Oh, it almost, yeah, it just negated the weekend. It negated all the fun I had on Friday and Saturday. And that's all Sunday was. It was like, I can't believe I have to go back. I don't even think about the good times now because now I'm just dreading Monday. And that's all I can focus on. Dreading being at work, dreading driving there, dreading, dreading sitting there all week and being stressed out about metrics and God knows what. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, this is so fucking crazy, right? You are earning 200,000, right? And that by all accounts means you've got the good fucking life, right? Like that's supposed to be the good fucking life. And that's not what's happening. You should be loving your fucking life by all accounts. Society tells us that's what you want to strive for. When you get there, you're going to be super happy. And I'm assuming your lifestyle matched in the sense that you had yourself a good car, a good home, you're married, you know, your teeth are pretty, your face is nice, you got the good clothes on, you're happy, you're set, right? But you weren't fucking happy. Why not? And the more money I was making, the unhappier I was getting. Wait, picker. what? Explain that. When I first started out marketing as probably a manager role, or maybe like coordinator role, I think I was making like $75,000. And I loved my job at the time. I was working 32 hours. I had a kick-ass boss. I was allowed to take my dog into the office. And I took probably two-hour lunch breaks. Nice. (laughs) And I loved it. And then I started getting higher and higher. And I started changing companies and getting into bigger situations where there was a lot of stress on me. A lot of people were counting on me. Metrics were like, every day I had to like report on metrics. God forbid the metrics were off. It would be a shit show. And it would really be so stressful because all this stuff was on top of my shoulders. And really, had I had maybe good managers, good companies, maybe all that stress wouldn't have happened. I don't know that. But it definitely, everything combined was made it, made it so bad. And so on the weekends or on vacations, I'd go on vacations. I'd be in Hawaii. I'd be in Germany. I'd be all over the place. I drove a Mercedes. I did everything. But it, but it didn't fix my underlying unhappiness in my job and my underlying anxiety about having to go to work and all this pressure that was on me, even though I had all this great money and people thought it was like the greatest life that I had. Right. But you didn't, you hated your life to some degree. Oh yeah. I, I hated those feelings and I didn't really know what and when later on, we're going to talk about this. Yeah. (laughs) Something big happened in my life. And that's when I realized I'm like, Oh no, I got to make changes. Yeah, um, But it, it took me a while to realize that my life, the way I was feeling wasn't normal and there was a better way. Right. It took me a couple of years. Yeah. And so one of the things that you and I talked about that was very similar in both of our journeys, and I, just for the record, I wasn't making 200K, like not even close, but I had a similar kind of reaction, both emotionally and there was the physical reaction, right? Every Sunday, bloody Sunday, there's my little funeral, right? I'm going to have that sad Sunday. And it would start around noon, right? 
You'd wake up all excited. I mean, Saturday is probably when it creeped up Saturday night. Like, oh, fuck, this is it. Like, this was going to be the last Saturday I had or something, right? Then I wake up on Sunday, try to keep a good positive mindset. It's going to, you know, we're going to have a great day. But by the time noon came around, my husband would like even ask me, what's wrong? And it'd be funny. I I wouldn't be able to express what was going on for me. I just, I couldn't get myself to say it out loud, right? that I don't want to go in tomorrow. But by the time Sunday night rolled around, I just, I don't want to go in. And by the time I went to sleep, same thing, all of a sudden rumination started and, oh, what am I going to have to deal with tomorrow? And then Monday shows up and I put on my brave face, even though I hate, hate that I'm going here. It's not connected to what I want to do. It's not connected to who I am. It goes against everything I value and I'm not really appreciated. So fuck that shit, right? I still put on a good face, walked into the office, did the best job I could, and then walked out. And that entire eight hours or longer, depending on the overtime, here we are. We're miserable. We're miserable pretending to be okay. Oh, yeah. And I was in charge of a bunch of people. I had a bunch of people in the last three jobs. At one point, I had about 30 people that were reporting into me. So I had to put on that fake, brave face all day long. And I was giving them advice and helping them out. In the, in the meantime, I'm just like, oh, just... I want to get out of here. (laughs) Right? The hypocrisy, right? You feel like a hypocrite the whole fucking time. Like here I am pumping people to do things they love, right? I remember working in the office as well. And there were people that wanted to explore things and spread their wings. And then maybe they weren't so happy. And I'd urge them, do what you love, do what you love. Yet here I am, little miss fucking hypocritical, right? Sitting there doing the exact opposite. Yes. Oh my God. So that's why I'm a career business coach because while I was sitting there as a marketing leader, so the marketing, keep that in mind, I'm telling my staff, they should go after what they want. If they were having bad days or they didn't like marketing, I'm like, don't be in marketing. Listen, there's other ways. This is what you can do. I was helping them out with resumes. I was writing my staff's resumes to help them get a better job in a better company. So I'm helping all these people succeed and blossom and do other things, yet I'm in this little box doing my marketing and I'm not really doing it for myself. And later on in hindsight, obviously, I was doing career coaching and business coaching at my marketing gig. So it was just really funny that I didn't even notice what I was really doing and I was doing it for others, but not for me. So intuitively, again, that piece that goes with passion and that piece that goes with happiness is connecting to your inherent talents, right? What you're intuitively fucking good at. And you, unbeknownst to your conscious self, right? Because this was all unconsciously happening because this is what you were good at, really. This was it, right? This was your zone of genius. You wanted to help people and you wanted to help them grow. And so you were intuitively helping them through career coaching and you didn't even fucking know about it until later, years later. So what does it look like Monday through Friday, and we talked about this, but I want you to explain to these guys what Monday through Friday your evenings look like when you left work. All I did is go home and complain to my husband the entire evening. He let me, he let me do it. He's a really nice guy. He's too nice. He let me do it for over a year or two until he finally said, I cannot, you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. And that's when I was like, oh no. I just was a broken record and it was the same thing. Yeah, he did. I don't know what to do. What should I do? Should I change jobs? And I did. I changed jobs like three or four times to different companies. And it was the same story everywhere I went. I was the common denominator. (laughs) Right. And that's hard to really understand or look at when it's happening to you, right? It's happening to you, but it's not. In your case, you just weren't aware it was happening for you. The story is quite similar here. And I, we, we joked about it earlier when we were talking at the prelim stages that our husbands are very similar, right? He let me vent for quite some fucking time where I'd come home and like 5.15, right? I'd be sitting there venting to him from the moment he walks through the door all the way till we go to sleep pretty much. And he'd have to like, okay, babe, literally he would have to say like, okay, babe, like you, you're going to have to stop for the night. And I'd be like, what? And then I'd get angry. And There's all these snap emotions that are coming out, but the universe, and this is a funny one because both Andrea and I are very analytical individuals. We're high achievers. We're analytical individuals, right? We really use our auditory digital side of our brains to 
explain things to ourselves, understand things. But here's the thing. One of the things that we weren't both paying attention to from the story I heard from you and from my story is all the signs the universe was giving us beforehand. You were the common denominator, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I later now I believe in some sometimes I believe in the universe and some of that stuff. But back then, I didn't even think about it. I just said, on paper, I have a great job. I have a great life. I have a lot of money. I have nice vacations. I have everything that I need. I have my my house with my two dogs. Everything on paper looked right. And I was not listening to my gut. I was not listening to my heart. I was not listening to the emotions in my brain because that's not what I do. I'm analytical. I think right. and look and see what's on paper. And on paper, my life is pretty perfect. <laughs> right, right. And that's what we've been taught to do, right? Especially high achievers. You are taught to go get that A. You are taught to be on the top, you know, that you should be going to regionals if you're on the dive team, the swim team, the soccer team, whatever that looks like. You should be social. You should be intellectual. You should be hardworking. You should have great work ethic. Be self-disciplined. But nobody talked about the emotional intelligence part, right? Nobody talked about that. You know, and we can age ourselves all we want, but I'm still thinking that nobody really talks about that. Uh, Well, they are talking about it today, but nobody teaches that in school and nobody really talked about it for the last, I don't know, fucking eons. And so here we are, manufactured adults who are taught to chase the next star, right? The next high achievement, the next thing. And so there's structure built for us. But when you don't know what's going on because that structure is fine, but something's out of whack. That's when shit gets real, eh? And on top of that, when I was younger, I was one of the very first people that was in the boardroom with all the men. There were no women back then. So there were no tears and no feelings. It just wasn't allowed. You know, now there's women everywhere, especially marketing. It's like a, it's, it's, really great. But back then I was one of the first executives in my companies that I was working at where I was the only girl. And I was like, okay, well, can't have any emotions, can't show anything. And again, that's changed. When I look at my nieces in their twenties, totally different. We talk about our feelings all the time. I talk about my feelings more the last like two years than I did my entire first 40 years of my life. Wow. Wow. And what an impact you're probably having on your nieces, right? You are a highly successful woman who on paper had it all and then you changed course or changed gears and now you're emotion focused. And I, you know, let's make this super clear. I'm not talking like ice cream, Doritos and fucking cry fests. I'm talking about genuine, real heart centered conversations, humanity to humanity about possibility, about expansion, about growth, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, before it was all like, okay, what can I do with my title? What can I do with my money? That was my goal. That was all I thought about. Now I think I still think about that. I still want to like look good in front of people. I still want to make a lot of money. But now I'm adding in how can I stay healthy my body? How can I stay healthy in my mind? How can I be a better human and help other people out? And this other, these other three, these are completely new to me. Before I was like, Pizza, 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 coffee, 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 work out for three hours, stay skinny, and then get make money. That was my life. And now that I've learned so much, it's completely different. I get up and I meditate. I have myself a really great morning and I think about ways I can help people. None of that stuff played anything. There was nothing about that was in my old life. In my new life, it's completely the opposite where I, I look at my body, my mind, my people around me first, and then I look at my wealth and that kind of success. Well, and that's the other part, right? When you put into perspective humanity before wealth, you automatically shift the kind of the value or the description of wealth, right? You seem richer today than you ever have been by the sounds of your story. Oh, yeah. I mean... For me, yes, I still wanted the money. Okay, I, I can't help it. Okay, I like I like nice things. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair fucking enough. And the society society today, we haven't corrected it completely, guys. So we're still on money mode. So there needs to be some money to sustain a life. Okay, so fair enough. No, no, nothing needed there. So I, I still have that. But the thing is, it doesn't matter if I make five hundred thousand dollars today. And I'm helping zero people, I'm gonna be unhappy. If I make 
$20,000 and I'm helping every single person around me, I'm going to be happy. I really think that when we fulfill all of our needs, which includes other people and giving back and that type of stuff, that's the only way we can get really, truly happy. And it's not just about us and about our stupid pocketbook that you can't take with you when you die anyway. Wow. That is so deep. It's not even funny. And while you were talking about that, I couldn't help but get some kind of like brain images going through my head because that's the type of weirdo I am, folks. But I'm thinking about the fact that when you are focused on just yourself and what you can collect, which you can't even take with yourself, just FY the fucking I, right? Your mind is the activity and you guys go ahead and Google it, go ahead and YouTube it, but the activity is very low, right? What's happening in the brain, it's not happening. It's not bumping. But when you actually start to focus on outside of you, what can I do for others? Where can I assist humanity? Where can I help my community? Where can I help my family? Where can I help my friends, right? How can I give back? How can I be of service? The activity in your brain, the waves, the expansion, the gross, the amount of mass that's being used is massive. So there is a a direct neurological effect when you are in service for others. So aside from the science lingo, aside from the, okay, I feel better, there was really a reason why you finally chose to pursue a path of passion, give up what was normal to you and shake the shit out of your life to wake the fuck up, right? Oh, yeah. And it was two years of hitting me over the head. I mean, again, if you want to believe in the universe or not, something was hitting me over the head over and over for two years straight to actually get to where my life is today. And it was bad. It was bad stuff. So um, my father had a sudden heart attack, way too young to have a heart attack, and he died. And it was really sudden where nobody was ready for it. It was one of those things like what just happened? And he was stressing a lot about things. And he was stressing about work and all kinds of stuff. And so for me, when I had that happen, I was like, whoa, life is short. Then I didn't quit. I didn't change. I didn't do anything. A couple of months later, my mom had to go have heart surgery. Then I think another couple of months later, probably six months later, I fainted out of nowhere, just fainted. And I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with prediabetes, which is what my dad had. And then another couple, probably like six months later, again, my brother at 47 had a heart attack. Wow. I mean, it was like, bam, 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 bam. You need to get your shit together. And the stress in my life and the unhealthy way that I was living and these funerals I was throwing for myself and the anxiety guys, I mean, I was diagnosed in my late thirties with prediabetes and I'm not even, you know, yes, I I was a little overweight, but not like crazy overweight. It just was all the stress and all the stuff I was putting myself through. And that's when I started realizing, okay, life is short, do what you love. And that's when I started learning about really listening to my heart and my mind and everything that's going on and my emotions. For the first time in my life, I was allowed to cry because I didn't care if I cried. And I was learning and I started with life coaching where people were helping me come to terms with who I am and what I want. And then I started taking coaching classes myself because I was like, wait, this is it. This is where everything should be. It should be about learning how to grow every which way. And that's when I started realizing, wait a minute, I've been coaching my entire life. So why not keep giving back and doing what I had been doing and do career and business coaching so other people don't get stuck in horrible careers that I thought I was stuck in? Because I was never stuck. It was my choice to be stuck. Yeah. And you made an active choice, right? Even when the universe came knocking on your door slightly. Four times. The four times, right? And you just kept saying, no, no, I'm just going to keep doing it. Even though it was being presented in front of you. Whoa, wait, you should probably fucking shift gears here. You refused to. And we had that conversation um, during the prelim about getting signs from the universe, right? Like we all get them. Let's get fucking real. We all get them. Whatever you choose to kind of associate with that sign. Why is that coming to you? Who's it coming from? Is it coming from the universe? God, you give it the label. Whatever you do to rationalize it, you know that there's a sign. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to ignore it? Are you going to pretend like you're asleep? Because you're not, because you're seeing the signs. 
if you were fully asleep, you wouldn't see the signs, right? And I was fully asleep. I, again, if the signs from the universe or from my own head, these signs were coming, obviously they were, they were all around me. I was asleep. I, I was emotionally asleep. That's how I put it. Physically, I wasn't asleep. I was, I was creating, I was doing stuff. I was making money. I was doing all this stuff. But emotionally, I was asleep. And I had to be jolted awake. And then I had to learn how to stay awake and deal with these feelings and figure out, whoa, there's more to life than just what I was doing. And, and that's just, it's just a shame how many people think that they're stuck in a way in a situation where they're going to have to be in for the rest of their life until they die early, probably because they're going to have a heart attack too. Yeah. And it's not, we're not stuck. We're not stuck. We can always, always change. We just choose to be there. And for whatever reason, right? Like nobody is trying to make you feel bad here. You choose to be there because it's a self-protective mode, because you're not awake yet, because you know what? You are still stuck as a victim. And listen, I'm number one, a victim. I've spent a lot of years in the victim mentality, the victim mindset. I've been an actual fucking victim of crime. Like it's, it's there. It's part of it. And to this day, I think like, A lot of people have been traumatized by, you know, life events, whether it's right in your life or something you've experienced, right? And that's why I talk about trauma code a lot, or I'm starting to talk more about this developed ideology of trauma code. But the reality is, is that we allow our circumstances to help us make the decisions of what we're going to do. There is no reason why you need to stay. And if it's cash, and I get some of us, like... I wasn't in Andrea's shoes, right? Like I was broke as a joke or making minimal amounts, definitely not six figures. But at the end of the day, what's most important to you? And what do you need to feel satisfied? Because money, it's not the thing, man. It's you're shaking your head. Talk more about that because you were that six figure earner. Oh God. Yeah. And and I mean, my, that was my priority. And again, the more I was making, the more unhappy I was and the more anxiety I started having. And I, that's all I was focusing on. I couldn't focus on my relationship with my husband. I couldn't focus on my family. I couldn't focus on my friends and on helping other people because that's all I was focusing on. And my priority, and I honestly don't know where it came from. I'm just like Robbie said, I mean, I kind of grew up like that. I'm from Germany and we didn't really talk about our feelings in Germany. And, um, Maybe that was just the way that I was raised. I don't, I have no idea, but my priority was all about having cash in the bank. And I think that priority was almost forced on me because now that I really am, I'm enlightened, that's not my priority. I still like it, but it's not a priority at all anymore. So it's been really interesting to see like, where did, why was this a priority at one point? Am I a different person today? Or was I just never really in touch with my inner self that I realized that was never my priority? Because like we talked about earlier, in hindsight, I was helping people and I was coaching people and I was doing all this in my unhappy job for years. So that was my priority at the time without knowing it. It was just the strangest thing how I didn't know. And now looking back, it's so clear. It is so crystal clear that the entire time my love and what my passion was, was just to help people and get them to the next step and get them to where they want to go. I mean, even when I was a little kid, my, all my friends, my mom said, I was always like the little leader and I wanted to make sure everybody's happy in the sandbox. I wanted to make sure if you were good at hammering, I'd give you a hammer. If you were good at digging a hole, I'd give you the shovel. And I did that from, from very early on. I always be like, oh, you good at this. You should do more. You should do more. And oh, wow. it was just something that was always there, but And so for some reason, the dollar sign was my priority instead. Well, and, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, it was ingrained in you, right? That's part of who you were growing up. And I know that, you know, coming from Germany, having immigration as part of your life, right? Immigrant families have that hammered into our lives, right? I'm I'm Sikh by, um, by birth. My parents came from India. And so for me... That's the same thing, right? It's been ingrained in our minds to have money in the bank account, especially for rainy days. You want to be safe. No one's going to help you out. You have to help yourself out. You got to have money in the bank account. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's probably a good fucking idea to have money in the bank account, FYI, right now. But 
you can make it in life without money. It's possible. And we hear all these kind of weird success stories of people who have made it, right? Who have seemingly managed life without very much, right? And how do they do it? Well, a lot of them are coming from the heart, right? They're coming from a place that is completely different, that actually has been constructed uh, or ingrained in us that it's really fucking weird or it's like total babble shit, right? Like you don't want to mess with that. You want to be successful. You want to get the letters beside your name. You want to get those papers to put on the wall. You want to like all these things and what a miserable life it can lead to, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I when I made my big shift, I went from um, thinking that I'm going to have to save a ton of money, preferably around $200,000 $200, a year so I can make my, myself just never change my environment and the way I was living. That was the plan. Yeah. You know how plans work. Right. And I, la- I was supposed to do this for about a year or two years until I saved a lot of money and put it in the bank and then leave. I lasted for like four months. And I was like, I'm out. I cannot do this. I'm way too much. I don't need all this money. I don't need this BS. I don't need this extra money. I sold my cars. I just got rid of all this noise around me that made no sense. Like, why was I driving in a stupid Mercedes? Like right now, I have a 20-year-old Hyundai Santa Fe. Do you know how much I fucking love that? It works really well. It works better than the stupid Mercedes <laughs> in the snow. And I just didn't need it. And I, honestly, like, why was I doing that? Why was I spending that money? And really, it's because I wasn't, on, I wasn't happy. I was spending the money on expensive clothes and nice cars and things like that because I wanted happiness from somewhere else. I never really realized it needed to come from me and from inside. And once I was happy, I was like, wait a minute. I don't need all this other noise anymore. Why, you know, I don't need to be buying $400 jackets. I could be, I don't need a jacket. I, you know, I, I'm happy. I, I don't need that stuff. And I really do think that a lot of us that are chasing that almighty dollar or do have our priorities wrong, we're chasing food, we're chasing alcohol, we're chasing sex, we're chasing money because we're not happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't like this. This is why it's not scripted because we could have never derived that out of a script, right? That is the essence of of truth here in the sense that the reason why you've got that addiction to money or to that sugar or to that relation, that toxic relationship or to whatever else you try to, you know, kind of numb yourself with because you're searching, you're searching. And so you think you found it, but the heart is saying, no, you haven't fucking found it yet. And part of you is already intuitively, like I can guarantee you, a lot of you guys have Andrea's kind of story mapped out in your own lives in the sense that whatever you're really fucking good at, it's going to keep presenting itself. You're going to do it intuitively without even understanding that you're doing it. You just have to wake up, smell the coffee and see what you're doing, right? But because we're so focused and we've been taught to focus on this, that you need these these things, you start to compensate by purchases, by by addictions, by whatever it looks like for you in order to find that missing piece, right? And that missing piece is happiness. And the only thing that's going to bring a positive ROI when it comes to happiness is getting really into yourself and understanding who you are, get that self-awareness component in and start understanding what is it I want? Who am I? What do I need out of life? And why is it important to me? What can I do to serve others? That's like, that's the core of what you're saying. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the whole premise of what I do is I help people find the right career or start their own business, right? And it all starts there. What are you passionate about? What, what's your personality like? What is your preference in life? And it's all about figuring out who you are and what your needs are. And again, what Robbie said, what you're good at. And I call them signature strength, where it's just the stuff you're naturally good at. And people will come to you and ask you for these things. And again, you might not even know because people came to me all my career. Andrea, I want to move ahead. Andrea, I want to get a bigger job. Andrea, I want to change out of this job. And I had no clue this was happening on a regular basis. Every job I've had, almost every other employee has asked me to help them figure out their dream career or their dream business. And it's just something you got to listen to. You got to look around you and really dig deep and get to know yourself. And sometimes that's scary. When I was getting to know myself, I mean, there was a lot of times where I did have a little bit of issues and 
oh, this is just too much. I'm digging up way too much stuff I don't want to think about. I don't want to feel these things. But I just had to work through it to realize what I really wanted in life. Yeah, absolutely. And in being honest, right? There's a big component of that being honest with yourself, knowing what you want, and then understanding that, yeah, you know, be fucking kind to yourself because some of the things that are going to start coming out They need to come out of you in order to be processed properly, right? But it needs to be worked on in order for you to kind of clear that baggage, right? All of us carry baggage in different ways. The most smallest things that you couldn't have ever said, well, that's what caused the problem. Sometimes it's the smallest things that is the root cause, right? And once you release that, it's like, you know, that anchor's been removed and now you can float. You can float no fucking problem, right? You are in movement and all of a sudden you start to attract more and your ship is sailing strong, right? There's nothing else you can do to stop it because you've removed that core issue, whatever that looks like. And personal growth is really fucking hard, right? That's why most people avoid it, right? Why not check out Netflix? Why not fucking drink a bunch of kegs? Why not go eat a whole bunch of food, right? And that's just not, that didn't work for you. No, and when I started really looking in myself and and working with coaches and stuff like that, I actually was continuously gaining weight. So it wasn't like, poof, oh my God, my dad died. Now everything is is like, makes clear. I'm gonna change my life. It wasn't like that. It just was like you said, it was an anchor. And then I had a little bit of breathing room and I was able to learn more, take more in. And then I had more breathing room and then I was able to take even more in. And when I first started doing all this, actually, because there was a lot of emotions I had to uncover, I had ga- I kept gaining a little bit more weight. And then once I was at that place where I was like, okay, I know what my career is. I know what my path is. I know how I want to help people. Now let's work on the physical body part. Um, and to me, my mental game, that was more important to me. I needed to do that. And so I learned, you know, yoga, meditating, um, vision boards. I did all kinds of stuff. First, my, my mind, that was more important to me just to get myself away from this anxiety and away from panic attacks I was having just to get me at peace. Yeah. And then once I figured that out, then I was like, okay, now it's body and I'm still working on it. I'm still losing weight. I'm, do- I'm doing good, but I'm still not where I want to be yet. So it's, 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 a, it's a process and don't right. expect it all the first day, but you do feel like the weight is lifted once you make that decision to work on yourself and go after your passions and your dreams. Yeah. And the process doesn't have a defined timeline either, right? Like it takes its time. It, it all's basically dependent upon you. How much are you able to take in? How much are you able to learn? How much are you able to grow in each time? You know, you, you kind of step it up, you go to the next level and each time There's an area there where I like to say every time you scale up in terms of growth, there's a new fear that presents itself, right? A new rationale to keep you stuck in the spot. And so it's a process. That's the big piece. And so what does life look like today? And, you know, you don't need to sugarcoat it, but I I don't think you're going to fucking sugarcoat it, right? I I also need to say that I I laugh at the fact that you vision board because I can tell you are so analytical. So the fact that you vision board cracks me up. But moving on, what does life look like today? Yeah, the first time I did a vision board, I was like, really? I got to cut like pictures out of a magazine? I'm like, I'm not five. <laughs> what? It was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Um, well, one of the things about that it's not doesn't happen overnight, I actually hope for all of us listening that we never stop growing and yeah. we never stop finding things that we can do better at. Because that is really what life is all about, is growing. Well, grow until the day that you die. Learn until the day that you die. Just find more ways to help others, more ways to be more at peace with yourself. So I hope that for everybody. And it's not just like, okay, I'm going to make one change now. I'm just going to be stuck again. Oh, girl, preach, preach, preach. I love it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like to the day you die, there are shit you can learn. There's places where you can grow. It's 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 a journey, right? It's a process and it's a journey. That's why they call it a journey, right? It's not some hokey coachy shit where we're just trying to take in your cash all the fucking time and that's it. It's a fucking journey. That's the thing. The more you expand, the more you expand, the more you expand, the more you fucking expand, right? Like that is the beauty of it. So what does life look like today? Yeah. 
So I'm on this journey <laughs> and I, I love the journey. So I really wish that you will love and enjoy the journey because that's all it is. It's the journey. Don't even, the goal is great, but the journey on even getting to a goal, that's the fun part. So make sure you love it and you're passionate about it. So life today. So like I said, I'm a career and business coach and I teach three people through digital courses on how to find their dream careers and how to start their own business and how to market their business. And what I do is what I want to do. My number one priority is to help others gain this clarity that I've gained over the last years myself. And I've learned through taking coaching classes that I just want everybody to be happy and be in this like awesome mental space, space that I'm in. I just love it. And I want that for everybody. And so I do that with my students and I get them to where they want to go. And every single time one of my students reaches a milestone or they get the career they want or they start their business, I cannot tell you how good that feels. It makes me feel like a good fucking human being. Yep. And that feeling of just feeling good is more important to me than anything else. Right. And so that's my main basis of my life. But my day to day, what it looks like now, and I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating. I love Sundays. I love Sunday nights. And you know why? Because I get to work on Monday. I love what I do because again, first and foremost, my whole thing was all about helping people and I get to do that. And so on Sundays, I sometimes actually work. Sometimes I don't. It all depends on my mood because I go after my mood and what I need at the time, but I kind of prep mentally for the week. Okay, well, I'm going to go help this person. I'm going to go teach this class. I'm going to go talk to Robbie on a podcast. Whatever I have, I just kind of envision it for the week. And I'm just super stoked about it. I'm happy about it. I can't wait for it. So my Sunday nights, I'm like excited for the week to start. And then when the week starts, I start it my way. I am a slow riser. I get up at seven. I know they say in these, all these books, get up at five, crush the day. Honestly, I I don't do that. I get up at seven and I pet my dogs and I have a coffee and I sit for a while. I meditate. I always put in some kind of reading in my morning. So I always have some kind of affirmations or visualizations for the day where I think about, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. This is how I'm going to be happy. This is how I'm going to succeed. And then I I write. I write in a journal. Um, Sometimes I write for a minute. Sometimes I write for longer and it all depends on what it is. Sometimes I plan my day. Sometimes I talk about things I want to do that day. And a lot of times I write stuff in there, like give my husband extra hugs, um, call my mom and tell her I love her and just things about other people. Because when I help other people and I reach out to other people, honestly, it makes me feel better and it makes me like happy. So it's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. It's so funny. You just basically not only described my morning, FYI, that's what my morning looks like too. And for some of my clients too, and for those people who have it ingrained in their brain that they need to be up at like crack of fucking dawn and hustle, hustle, hustle. That's not what we're, what's being said. What's being said is wake up early, whatever that looks like, or make a time fit for you where you can be your best, be most productive, right? That's what they're trying to say. They're not saying necessarily wake up super early unless you're fucking, you know, all your clients are sitting in Singapore and you need to be up at fucking 530 in the morning because you're in Canada or something. Maybe that's a different situation. But at the end of the day, you make it work for you, right? And that's what she's even saying is, You wake up at seven. I wake up at 545 sometimes. Sometimes I wake up at six, right? It all is dependent on you. But you explained the foundational pieces that even I get my fucking clients to work on, right? That meditation is important. You get to connect with yourself. You get to connect with your unconscious mind and then your higher mind, right? Or your higher self or the universe, whatever you call it. But there's like a third component, right? And then you have the affirmations. Why not build your fucking self up, right? Like that is ideal. And then free writing, visualization, planning, getting into the essence of what you do and getting those pieces out of you so that you're clear to move forward. Like basically you've designed a morning by choice, creating ease is what I'm hearing, right? Yes. Um, I, I, and it took me a while to create this morning because I tried to do, you know, like getting up early, exercising, killing it, da, 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 da. And I was like, no, wait, I can't do that. I, I really need an ease, an ease, easy, peaceful morning because I'm dealing with a lot of people during the day that I'm helping. And if I'm like, hey, let's go, people are not going to be 
really like with me. So I want to make sure that they get the best of me. And so for my best is to be at peace and be chill and really just think about other people. Then I start working. And for me, a lot of work is blogging. I also have a podcast, writing, I'm emailing with people, checking my direct messages on Facebook and Instagram, making sure that everybody that wants, that wants to ask me something, gets, they get an answer. And I really just try to like give back to people that way. And then I start working. I start teaching my classes and I start working with my clients. And then when I get a break, I do exercise. I do believe that is super vital to your life. Every day you should exercise. I do exercise seven days a week. Um, sometimes it's a chill 20-minute dog walk. Sometimes you know it's a three-hour hike in the mountains by my house. It all depends. Again, I listen to what I need for that day. Yeah. If I need to just completely take some time for myself and, you know, kill it in the gym, that's fine. And if I just need to have a, like a 10 minute yoga session, that's also fine. And again, I keep listening to what I need so I can listen better to what my clients and my students need. And then I help them because I'm in a better place where I can function. Yeah. Um, If your uh, cup is full, you can help uh, others. Yeah. Totally. And then the best part, when work is over, I usually meet up with my husband at one point during the day and we actually discuss our wins, what was great about the day. And then we stop talking about work and we talk about our dogs, our upcoming vacation or plants that we have, or maybe a movie we want to see or other things. It's an entirely different conversation in my house than when I was unhappy in my job. And the only thing that changed was me. Yeah, same. It's me. It's the way I'm thinking about things has changed. And it just made everything around me better. Massive, massive mindset switch, right? Like it all started with you, but you had to get clear on what was going on with you. And that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of fucking guts, to be honest with you, to not only look at the reflection in the mirror and say, okay, yo, what's up? What's wrong with you? Why are you so pissy? Why you got such a chip on your shoulder? What's happening with you? Why do you have bloody Sundays, funerals, fucking all this stuff, right? What's going on? What do you need out of life? That takes a lot of guts. And then to do what Andrea did was to jump ship of something that she has been taught to achieve, that six-figure, that prestigious job. You got the fucking bends in your garage, all that stuff. Give me a break. I mean, that takes even more guts. So, you know... It can happen at different levels. It doesn't matter what level you're at, but if you're unhappy, if you can feel the signs both emotionally and physiologically, right? It's showing up in your body. It's manifesting as pain. If you recognize that there's still something missing, even if you've got the paper-perfect life, right? It doesn't matter what it is. The reality is, is there's something missing in you and you have to go on a journey to search for it. That journey doesn't need you to go to like the Buddhist temples or anything of that nature. But if you want to do it, that's totally up to you, right? It just requires you to stop for a minute and listen, focus inside. Don't focus so much on the fucking outside, right? That's what's going to get you far. Oh yeah. And really listen to other people that have already achieved it. I was a huge, I listen to podcasts all the time. That's why I have a podcast. That's why I listen to Robbie's podcast. I love listening to podcasts and I go to to people that I know I can learn from. Because I think part of me, when I was in my little bubble and I was on paper, everything was supposed to be great. I never really looked at teachers, healers, coaches. I never looked at those people. I thought they were kind of too foo-foo for me and I was above it. And those were the people that were living it up and doing it right. You know, I, I have a friend that's a therapist and she just gave everything up as well. And she was making not a lot of money and gave everything up her house, everything. And she's so much happier. And think about that, what's going on and look at people like that, that can teach you and help you and motivate you. Absolutely. That guy with the Mickey Mouse tie and that weirdo like SpongeBob square pants kind of watch who's like beaming ear to ear with a smile, super fucking happy, doesn't give a shit what you think of him. That's probably your greatest mentor, right? These people right here, these shows, the people outside of you, and the best part, older people are amazing, amazing teachers because they will teach you about regret. They will teach you about life. They will teach you about stress. And most of them will say, follow what makes you fucking happy. That's what you're going to remember on the very last day, the very fucking last day, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, read all those stories where they have nurses and doctors talking about people that are in hospice care and what they talk about. 
They don't talk about their achievements when it comes to money or their job. They talk about their families, their grandsons, whatever else. That's what they talk about, the experiences. Again, I don't give a crap what kind of car is going to be in my garage by the time that I die, but I'm going to remember the trip I took with my husband and the laughs that I had with my nieces and the, the joy that I had in my life just hiking. That's the kind of stuff that is going to stick with me forever. And sometimes when we're younger, maybe we just don't know that stuff yet. I'm in my 40s. So right now, maybe it's a midlife crisis thing, but I'm really, really in tune to it. But in my 20s, it was about partying. In my 30s, it was about money. And in my 40s, it's all about giving back and being this happy, peaceful person that makes just everything better around me. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, Andrea, thank you so much for everything you've given. Now, before you go... If someone wants to come and check you out, they want to know more about uh, what you do, they want some help with career advice or some directions and coaching, where do they go? Yeah, just go to my website, andreapalton.com, and you'll see my podcast. You'll see everything there. A really fun course for people that um, might be your listeners would be uh, my dream career um, discovery course where they can discover their passions and discover what they're good at and therefore discover the right career for them and then learn how to create a master plan on how to get it. And that's coming up um, soon. So definitely go check, check it out on my website and would love to have you and hopefully see you on my podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to do that. You guys go and check her out. She is a phenomenal woman who has a lot to share. Uh, it's Andrea, but spelt Andrea, and then Paulton, P-A-L-T-E-N. Is that correct? That's correct. A-N-D-R-E-A-P-A-L-T-E-N.com. Perfect. Go check her out. Thank you guys so much for listening, Andrea. Thank you for sharing everything that you did. It is so insightful, and I know that everybody has gained a lot from what you've had to share. Well, thank you for having me, and I love your podcast. You're doing an awesome job for people. People really need this. Thank you. That is the whole point, right? The whole point is that you're not in your 40s, you know, and some of you might be or some of you might be later, but that you're not taking that linear approach 20, 30, 40. These are the focuses. You're listening today, listening to what's being shared and recognizing that we are trying to teach you that there's more. There is more than just what the socially constructed lifestyle has to offer for you, right? So try it out. Try getting self-aware. And we will see you next week with another episode. See you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit. I am so grateful to have you as an audience member. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to hit subscribe and leave your review. For more resources, tips, and tools, head over to www.ravitour.co. I'll be back with another episode next week. But until then, stay lit.